Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by Visa. We all have things we like to think about. Online fraud shouldn't be one of them. Because with every purchase, Visa prevents, detects, and resolves online fraud. Safe, secure, Visa. Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. And today I have with me in the studio right here, sitting here, Jonathan Strickland, one of our writers. In the flesh. Yep. And today we are going to talk about some encryption things, things that you might want to keep an eye on because this could be an issue of great personal significance. Yes. Uh, uh, in fact, it was an, an issue of great personal significance for about 40 million people recently. Um, actually, probably not that many. That was the that was the total number of people affected by a recent uh, uh, discovery. The the federal government had a sting operation where they identified eleven international computer hackers uh, who are accused of stealing the information of forty million people, and some of that included PIN numbers, which was a, a that's huge news. Yeah, because the thing about it is, if somebody has your debit card number. They can't do an awful lot with it unless they have your PIN, your personal identification number. Right. So for hackers to get hold of 
the number and the pin, then they're in business because that allowed them to create, or at least they're, the, the authorities are alleging that they were able to create uh, fake debit cards right. with numbers and they were allowed to get uh, use those to get money. Yeah, they could go to any ATM and use that and put in the pin number and because the number and the pin matched, uh, the the ATM had no way of knowing that this was a, a, a you know someone impersonating an, an innocent victim, and the guy could withdraw money. Now, whether or not this actually happened, well, that remains to be seen. We we haven't we don't have all the information just yet, but um, this kind of leads into a discussion about what encryp- encryption is, uh, how it works, why it works, and why it's difficult uh, to to crack it. So uh kind of give you an, an overview of encryption. That's essentially you're talking about encoding information so that only the person or organization uh, that receives that information will be able to decode it and get at that information. Um, and this is done with a key. So the key decodes the encrypted message. And there are a couple different ways you can do this, right? Right. Um, actually, encryption goes back centuries. You know, it's something we think about uh, as being sort of a new thing. I mean, you hear about uh, famous encryption like uh, the, the Enigma machine from Germany during World War II is a famous uh, right. way of encrypting messages uh, used in wartime. And uh, sure, that's, you know, the military has used uh, codes and encryption, you know, for you know, as long as there have been militaries, you know, people sending encoded messages. But, uh, when we're talking about this, basically there, there are two sides to, uh, encryption. It's generally the way it's done in electronic transmissions. Uh, there is a, a, there are two keys. There's a private key and a public key. And basically to, to get at the in, encrypted information, you have to have both pieces of information. Right, right. The way, now, there is one other way you can do this besides the public-private key. There's there's the symmetric key encryption approach, but it's it's less secure. Uh, symmetric key encryption. What that means is that you have two keys that are exactly the same. They can both in, encode and decode information. It's kind of like having a decoder ring, you know, like you'd get out of a cereal box. The kids still eat cereal, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so they basically each person has an identical code book. Right. And the right. person on one end is encoding it with the code book and, you know, you pass a message on to your friend who uses the identical code book and can but, decode the message. Exactly. The problem with that is if anyone else grabs hold of that code book, they can also decode the message. So yep. it's not terribly secure. That's where the, the public private key comes in. Now, in this situation, you would have a private key that belongs to you. It's on your computer. That's the only place it's ever going to be found. And then you have a separate key called a public key that you can give to whomever so that they can encode information, send it to you, and only your private key can decode that information. Um, and this, this is a, uh, this is a secure, a more secure way of doing things than the symmetric key because it's designed in such a way that you can't figure out what the private key is based solely on the public key. So you can stare at the public key all day long and you're not going to figure out what, what the right process is to decode that information. And on the flip side, if you encode something with your private key and send it out, well, because, because the public key is public, because other people can get hold of it, the information in that message won't be secure, but it is verifiable that it came from you. So it becomes kind of a digital signature, right? You're, you're saying, well, 
the public key can only decode information that came from this particular private key, so we know the information came from him. The information itself isn't secure, but at least you know, like, it's an authentication uh, right. device. It's, it's like a digital signature. Right, you exactly. Know, you can, it's absolutely verifiable that it came from this person. Um, you know, what, there is one way around that, though. If someone were able to get hold of your, say, your laptop computer with your digital signature, it, you know, embedded in the computer, and you weren't encrypting your login information if it was just on. Right. Then they could sign documents, which, you know, is another important part of encryption. It's not just for, you know, your, your PIN number at your bank. You've got all kinds of other things that, that could, uh, stand to be encrypted, especially if you have, uh, you know, very private information. If you have, say, uh, your bank account information on your computer, um, my wife keeps a, a backup of our financial data on there. Well, if she were to not encrypt the login to her computer, someone could, you know, break into our house, open the computer up and see all that information because the, the login to the computer is wide open. Right. Um, you know, there, there are all kinds of other things too. Uh, email is one of the most common, uh, places that you're going to see encryption, um, you know, where you're actually aware of it being there. Um, there are ways to add that to your email program, uh, programs like Pretty Good Privacy, or there are, uh, there are actually some open source encryption standards. And, um, even Google is talking about the possibility of adding a new open source encryption standard, uh, API so that other people can incorporate that into their into their uh, products, and I imagine I'm, you know, they don't say that, but I'm just guessing that it's probably going to end up in Gmail too, probably. <laughs> so that you can send yeah. encrypted messages uh, back and forth. And you might be wondering how all this encoding happens. Um, it's generally uh, accomplished through the use of uh, a hashing algorithm to create uh, um, a hash value. Uh, now, uh, an algorithm is a set of instructions that, that machines follow to, to complete a certain task. Uh, with a hash value, a hashing algorithm, uh, what, what happens is that it takes an agreed upon number, for example. This is just one of many different versions of hashing. But it takes an agreed upon number that both the public and private key know. And it multiplies it by a different number. And without anyone knowing what that different number is, there's, you know, you, what, what you end up with is the product of those two numbers. Um, if you don't know the identity of either of the, the two factors that went into making this product, um, you, that's where the encryption comes in. You have to be able to, to say, hey, th- this number was arrived at by multiplying this number by this number. I'm the right person. Let me see that information. Um, that kind of plays into, uh, RSA encryption, which is uh, the idea that computers are really, really bad at figuring out uh, the factors of a very, 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 very large number. We're talking about a 128-bit number, so uh, uh, this, is, this is a very large uh, uh, figure that, that you have to take into account. So the, <laughs> what a computer has to do is it has to go through and try and figure out each of those factors, finding the largest prime numbers that, that factor together to, to make this uh, product. Um, and computers take, can take millions and millions of years to do this with a really, really large number. Uh, in fact, the only real way of, of uh, cracking it right now, at least as, as far as people are theorizing, is to create a quantum computer. 
Yeah, quantum computers uh, operate on a much different level. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mysterious magical level almost uh <laughs> because uh, you may know that uh the classic computers operate by looking at bits. So it's either a zero or it's a one, but with quantum computers it's a little bit more bizarre. It can be both a zero and a one or a zero or a one or anything in between, which is kind of hard to get your mind wrapped around. And quantum computers have uh, uh, the potential of being able to crack this really hard encryption. It's through the use of something called Shor's algorithm. Um, and it's a really, really complicated complicated process. It's, it's really hard to explain in layman's terms. So uh, we won't really get into it here because um, I'm not a mathematician and I'm sure I'd stumble along the way. But it's it's – because quantum computers are not actually viable right now, we can't really make a stable quantum computer of any significant size. It's something to worry about, but it's further down the road. Right. So it's very unlikely that uh, you're going to have to worry if you come up with a reasonable uh, level of encryption on your computer that it's, you know, no, nothing's going to be able to uh, to hack it easily. Right. You know, but the more complex you can make your passwords, the more involved you can you can get your encryption. If you could take it up to 128 or even 256 bit yes. encryption, it's just going to take a computer longer to try to break the code and decrypt your messages or you know get into your files. So you know that that if you can take the steps necessary, you can make sure that your your private information is more private. Of course, that doesn't really. Uh, Help when you're talking about someone else's network, like you know your local mall, uh, the wireless right. networks that they use to uh, to get that information. Yeah, it kind of brings us back to the story we were talking about at the beginning. Uh, so, how did these guys manage to to crack this encryption? Well, we don't really know right now, but the one theory uh, is that they actually managed to get hold of the key that uh, unlocks this information. That they did not actually decrypt it through some sort of complex hacking system, they just managed to get hold of that special decoder ring. Um, so if that's the case, then encryption's not nearly as badly off as, as we would think otherwise. If, however, they found a way to decrypt that themselves without the key, that's something to really, really start to freak out about, I think. We all have things to think about, like, say, what's the best site to buy a new leather jacket? or whether to buy the 3 or 6 megapixel camera. But thankfully, we don't need to think about online fraud, because for every purchase you make, Visa keeps an eye out for fraud, with real-time fraud monitoring, and by making sure you're not liable for any unauthorized purchases. How's that for peace of mind? Safe, secure, Visa. Yeah, the authorities in the the article I read in in MSNBC said that... uh, you know, there really wasn't any reason to worry. It didn't appear like this is a widespread phenomenon. And they're not 100% sure that that it actually happened the way that uh, they think that it may have happened. But if if these uh, these hackers were able to figure this out, you know, we may be moving on to a new standard in encryption in a very short time. Yeah, nothing like nothing like impending doom to really uh, get you get the gears running, right? Right. Well, I guess that's about all we have right now for uh, encryption. But if you'd like to learn more, you can read how encryption works at howstuffworks.com, and we'll talk to you again soon. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.